Hello, and thanks for tuning in to episode 18 of the Rugby Paper Podcast. Back with me, I have assistant editor Ben Jacob and joining us as we approach the denouement of the Gallagher Premiership. We welcome Scotland International and Saracens back rower Andy Christie. Ben Jacock, how are you? Thanks for joining me. Yeah, good, thank you. Good to be back on, Ali. And we are with Andy Christie. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you guys? Yeah, we're, we're okay. We're okay. So, day off. Yeah. Obviously, that is probably misrepresentative of the intensity that, that Saracens are bringing to everything at the moment. Is Are you being pushed quite hard? We are, we are, but it's, you know, it's nothing new to us. I'm, I'm, I've been doing a lot of physio recently, so I've, I've actually been taking it relatively easy compared to the other guys. Are you injured at the moment? Not really. <laughs> I think I think uh, it's. Um, I, I think I'll be okay for the weekend. So um, yeah, okay. not really. So what's the physio? Just general wear and tear. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm. I'm just kind of coming to the tail end of the injury now. So it was only a few weeks. What was the injury, if I can ask? I ruptured my plantaris, which is a tendon that kind of connects to your Achilles. Yeah. So it's it's, it's really insignificant. Like some people don't have one. Yeah, quite useless and quite pointless and quite frustrating in that sense. Not the kind of injury where when you did it, you were worried you'd ruptured your Achilles because obviously that's a different beast. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't sure because it was just a feeling, you know, so yeah, is it just the scan? When the scan came back, I was, I was happy. It was kind of the best I could have expected. So yeah, very happy it wasn't my Achilles. And Achilles is nine months even. Yeah. Like, pro- probably not for a professional athlete where obviously you've got the resources available to you, but it's a long time. So yeah. yeah so-, so are you going to be involved Against Gloucester? Yeah, potentially. Potentially. Okay. I guess things haven't been announced or or if they have, you won't tell me. <laughs> yeah, nothing, <laughs> nothing's been announced yet. So Okay, yeah, sweet. We'll have to wait and see. Well, I'll talk about I want to focus on um Scotland first. You may be fed up of talking about the story of your uh Six Nations call up, but for listeners that don't know, there was a video that you published that went viral um of you telling your family members about the Six Nations call up, and there was just a a very eclectic set of reactions, I'd call it. You had some who were just, you know, absolutely screaming and going mental. You had a couple of others who, I think your brother was in the office or something, so he yeah, he was, had, yeah. To, had to keep quiet a little bit. But you could see all the fist pumping and the chest pumping and all that sort of stuff. So just, where were you when you found out? I was actually at the rugby club. So I'd spoken to Greg, I think it was the day before, and he said he'd, he'd call me on the day to let me know yes or no. So i Finished training, licked my phone, had a missed call from him. So I went upstairs and rang him back. And yeah, it was, it was good news, fortunately. You, from the missed call, do you know it's good news by that point? Or you you okay. No, I'm, I'm way too sort of pessimistic to, oh, really? <laughs> to, okay. to know it's, it's, it's good news. I, the whole thing came so quickly that I, I didn't know what to expect. And the fact that I'd had any conversation with him, I was, you know, in, in a sense, pleased with that. And what in that moment made you go, all right, I'm going to tell, well, obviously you're going to tell your family, but what made you think, okay, let's film the reactions? I don't know. I just, I just sort of fancied it. I think, like I say, it all came as a bit of a surprise. And, and I just thought in that moment, like, I want to kind of treasure this. Like, I know, I know they'll be yeah. proud. I know big. I'd only told, I think it was, you know, my mum my and my brother, my mum, my brother, older brother, my dad at the time that I'd had any contact whatsoever. I'd only got a text. I'd got a text from him the week before saying he'd like to catch up. So, so the, that was the other thing they knew. For the grandparents, I think it was, but was it both sets of grandparents? No, yeah. it, was, it was on my mum's side. Okay, all right, forgive me. And yeah, well, that was a complete shock then. They had no idea. Yeah, they 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 didn't know we'd even, he even knew my name at that point. So, 
<laughs> that's awesome and there are two call-ups there was the overall squad and then if i remember quite well first of all it was france which was your scotland debut so tardy congratulations for that Cheers. um and that was when if i remember correctly hamish watson was declared unavailable because of covid19 yeah and rory dodge was drafted into start and you came in so yeah that was was it the day of or the day before something like that day yeah morning before so okay. as the morning of captain's run were you in um in scotland at that point yeah so it was all quite fortunate we had a week off at Sarries, so i didn't have to because i wasn't in the squad initially so i didn't have to go back to the club and play a game for us or anything on the weekend so i was allowed to stay up in scotland for the week and experience a full week there which i was looking forward to anyway and then morning of the captain's run got a got a call from gregor as i just sat down to have breakfast saying hamish had pulled out with covid so i was i was in yeah and i feel bad because i left my plate of food sat there i didn't i couldn't eat breakfast after that point um and i tried to i tried to bring my whole family there and then and no one picked up so I was kind of like bursting with with like happiness and there was no one to like even talk to. No one picked up the phone. So that was, that was kind of annoying. But it was just, yeah, amazing experience. Quite a roller coaster. It's not ideal skipping breakfast the day before you face a monster France pack, <laughs> is it? <laughs> Did yeah, you just turn, turn, turn in a couple of kilos lighter than usual as well? <laughs> Obviously against France, you were probably thinking, oh, you know, it's, it's it's maybe not the pack you'd like to come up against on your Scotland, Scotland day. No, I think it's just... It's, the best thing you can do really like I've, they're they're probably the best team in the world at the moment you know certainly kind of top three so couldn't have really asked for better like I, I've now can say I've played against what is pretty much the best team in the world so it definitely helps kind of confidence levels and an awareness of myself that I can play at that level and I think it also helped the way it came about that I didn't have a whole week of like nerves building up and a whole week of worrying yeah. You know, I, I had that day to quickly sort out the logistics of like tickets and things of my family coming up. And then after that, it was just focus on focus on the rugby. So that was yeah. that was brilliant. That's a good way of looking at it. Fight or flight, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I didn't I, I just instead I had, you know, the whole 24 hours to try and take everything in instead of worrying about what might happen. I just managed to kind of take in take in all the all the emotions and all the experience of, of the packed out myfield and match day you say you're a pessimist i'm not hearing much of it with those, <laughs> sort, those sorts of mindsets <laughs> no i'm not really a pessimist maybe more a realist i suppose that's synonym for pessimist <laughs> <laughs> ben what did you want to ask um, no i was wondering how much how much contact you've had with gregor townsend since the six nations has he sort of given you certain things to work on yeah so we had a we had a good conversation at the end of the at the end of the tournament and I've spoken to him Steve Tandy with you know they're 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 good at kind of keeping in touch and giving me feedback on what's going well what they want to see from me and and also I'm I'm at a very good club where we do things pretty well so I think they've got confidence in that and you know if you're if I'm performing well at Saracens I think they've got confidence in that ultimately that will hopefully transfer into into what they're doing there as well so I'm quite fortunate in that sense 
No, definitely. And, and obviously Premiership Rugby is constantly growing, but you know, it's quite a long way off the bright lights of the Six Nations where the whole country like, seems to tune in. Did it really yeah. like, sink in that you've been watched by millions across the country? And did it feel like a level, level of different level of <coughs> pressure and intensity? No, it sort of goes back to what I was saying, that I had 24 hours to kind of get my head around the fact I was playing. So there wasn't really any time to think about how many people were in the crowd or how many people watching on TV. I wasn't. Yeah, that was quite like a million miles away from from my headspace at the time. I think that's a very, very admirable mindset, I've got to say. And uh, have you heard much from Gregor lately, looking ahead to obviously Argentina tours in (laughs) a couple of months? Uh, Yeah, we've had had one or two conversations. Okay. (laughs) Okay, that's about as coy as it gets. (laughs) We've had one or two conversations. And obviously, I'm not asking you whether you're in the squad or not, but has a squad been announced or have you been given? No squad's been announced as of yet, no. Okay, well, fingers crossed for that. Now, every time we have a player on, I ask them what their first choice unit is for their country. Now, you can't say yourself, but can you pick for me your ideal Scotland back row right now? Right now, I don't know who's even fit right now. Say everyone's fit. Everyone's fit. Oof. I mean, Darji went unbelievably well when he, I think, all season, actually. Yeah. So, so probably him. Hamish is, is Hamish. Hamish is unbelievable. And, and Matt Fagg as well. He's He's been been brilliant too. So, obviously, Jamie got injured quite early on. So, it's yeah. a bit easier. Those three, those three were kind of the stalwart back three. Back yeah. row in the, in the tournament saga of those three. Okay, that's what I thought you'd say. And uh, Jamie Ritchie, obviously, is still still working his way back from injury, isn't he? So yeah, all, all the best to him. Now, fast forward to winter twenty twenty three. Scotland have had the World Cup. You have hopefully participated in said World Cup. Where do you see yourself and Scotland as having been? Where do you think you know from your own level? Can you reach for the stars and can you see that be, being the realist that you are? see it as you're a starter at the World Cup and can you see Scotland going further than they ever have? Yeah. There's the, I mean, ultimately, I think from, from being involved in the group in the Six Nations and seeing, seeing the group and being, like I say, being involved, there's, there's no real limit on, on how good the team can be. I think saw against England that when, when, when we get it right, we're brilliant. Obviously, there was disappointment then against Wales, didn't turn up as we as we had hoped against France, and at times against Ireland again, brilliant. So, I think it's a team that can that can truly beat anyone when when we get things right. So, so that's that's what I'll say on that. I think there's no real limit because I think ultimately when we get 15 boys on the pitch against 15 other people, then it's rugby, you know, and anything can happen. I think this team when it gets when it gets everything right, when it gets the motivation right, and its energy's in the right place, then I back Scotland to be anyone. Is there talking camp? One thing we spoke about during the six, our coverage of the Six Nations was Scotland, you're going to get two or three very good performances and that you're maybe not quite at the consistency level you would want to be in terms of backing that up throughout a tournament. Is there talking camp of how to rectify this and maybe address it and find those consistencies, particularly under pressure? Oh, I think from, from what I saw, there was no marked change from week to week in terms of preparation. You, you prepare obviously for who you're going to play against and you, you've got certain areas you need to focus on. But I think there's, there was, you know, a lot of talk outside of camp about, oh, Scotland, Scotland could win it this year. And, and but there was, there was none of that chat in the same sense coming from within the camp. Obviously there's, there's belief, but it's definitely something that's taken a week to week 
you know, you, you want to beat England first week, they beat England first week, and then it's it was flip and switch on to the next job, which was followed, unfortunately, by disappointment against Wales. But I didn't see it being a case of, oh, beating England, job done. It was certainly a case of, okay, what do we have to do next? And obviously, we didn't quite get it right against Wales, but the consistency thing is, is not necessarily something that's discussed as you look at on an outlook of the whole tournament. It's just a, a thing that I guess occurs, but you, you ultimately prepare as well as you can every single week. Where were you when you beat England? We had just played, Saris had just played, um, I can't remember who it was now. Oh, I, can't, I can't remember who it was. I was stood on the pitch at Stonex and we, we got the game on the big screen and I'd just seen Ben White score. As we turned on, I saw. Oh ben. wow! Okay, so you were a good idea. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was quite cool. Um, so I watched I watched the game at, at the stadium. I may be able to tell you. Oh, it's annoying me because this. It would have been Bath. Bath, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I think you put forty points on them if I remember correctly. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> all right, let's move on from Scotland. Uh, I want to look at Saracens now, and I want to flashback now rather than fast forward to summer of 2018 you were in wellington yes what were you doing in wellington learning how to play rugby a bit better okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i went for i went for three months with uh elliot Abatoyembo. so sari sent sent us both out so we were on the course with the wellington lions kind of academy and we were on loan at different clubs around wellington so it was, it was a good trip more so in hindsight i think at the time it's quite difficult. Late notice being shipped to Wellington for three months is is a bit in their winter. I'll add as well. Whilst we had <laughs> the football World Cup going on here and like weather was unbelievable, those times I was a bit jealous looking back at people enjoying their summer holidays here. But the the experience, I think, looking back and I did learn a lot. Got to train closely with um, being coached by Rodney Sialo, who was fantastic. So, so it was it was a good trip. It was a good trip. And do you, obviously, Soliano is a number eight. You're yeah. a six slash eight slash seven on occasion. Do you think yeah. that made you consider number eight more than you have done? Obviously, you were you were a, you were six coming up through the system, right? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I think that? it's it's less for me kind of a consideration and more of where do where do they want me to play? I'll, I'll do whatever if I'm on the pitch. I'm pretty happy. So I think he he. Had a lot of he has a lot of knowledge on on pretty much every aspect of the game. You know, he he was coaching us from things from handling skills to high balls to handing off and like every little aspect there was. So I think it was it was cool to cool to be close with someone like that who's who's been there and done it and you know lives and breathes it. I don't think it made me think, oh, I'm, I want to be more of an eight than a six or anything else. I just I just enjoyed learning and enjoyed playing when I got the chance. Yeah. And was there any particular reason that both you and Elliot were chosen to be sent out? Obviously, yeah, very so, different players. Yeah, we'd, we'd missed a reasonable chunk of rugby that year because I'd, I'd had sort of various injuries and niggles and same with him, really. So we hadn't had kind of the chance to play consistently at loan clubs or whatever it was. I think we're both the old Albanians at the time in that one. So... We hadn't really had the chance to put on week on week on week and probably hadn't developed as quickly as some of the other guys in our in our peer group. So okay. neither one of us are with an under-20 country at the time. So 
it worked perfectly really casual trip to new zealand at the age of 18 casual casual trip to new zealand yeah <laughs> ben um yeah and i just want to ask at you know young age of you know 22 you, you captain saracens in the premiership cup what, what was it like leading such a big team out that was, that was a brilliant experience i think the the whole captaincy thing was you know it's, it wasn't complicated in the sense that i had a lot of guys with me who i'm very close with and who I've got a lot of trust in. So so that was just, it's just a title in that sense. When you're in a team like that, it's, it's just a title. There's plenty of guys in that team. I've got actually a poster on my wall of it. So yeah, looking at the team and we had Duncan Taylor playing, Baz Barrington playing, Callum Hill, who's been brilliant with lineups and Theo McFarlane, who's just been incredible for us this year. So we, like tons of guys, Rotti, who's also been awesome. So there's like tons of guys there who, I think it's just a case of everyone Everyone knew what they needed to do and, and we went into those weeks with really clear messages that my job was pretty easy. Yeah, no, definitely. And what's it like sharing a dressing room with some of the biggest names in the sport? You must have learned so much from them. Yeah, I have. Ever since Ever since I've, you know, joined in Senior Academy when I was 18, I've been constantly learning. I think we've we've got such a good environment as you never never short of feedback at Sarri, so... You know, if something's not quite right, then you'll be told. And if you're doing something well, you'll probably be told as well. So, no, it's a, it's a brilliant environment in that sense. And there's, like say, tons of guys to learn off. Yeah. Are there any players in particular, sorry, that you've developed like a close bond with and, and learnt, you know, the most from? Yeah, there's there's a lot, to be honest. Um, starting with Kelly, because he was my coach coming through the Senior Academy. I, I was transitioning into the Senior Academy when he was transitioning into a coaching role. So him and I have always been very close. I think Jackson, I used to watch a lot mostly when I was at school as well. Billy and Marrow, I used to go through games with on occasion, so they're fantastic. But there's even, you know, your, your Macos and your Jamies and loads of guys like that, Faz as well, like they, they, they've always, or they've often got advice and, and feedback to give if there's something that you need help with. So there's, there's tons of knowledge in the group. That's great. And obviously, yeah, you mentioned Theo McFarland, who obviously went viral with that, that basketball style. <laughs> yeah. is, that, is that something he practices a lot in training? I know he's an ex, ex-freshman basketball player. so yeah. I've not seen him practice that specifically, but his hands are pretty crazy. So yeah, he's yeah. very, very skillful. There's, there's like a growing theme of those sort of corner finishes in the Premiership. Are you hoping to emulate one yourself? Uh, no. <laughs> I just want to make sure. If I'm in that position, I just try to make sure. I mean, he he definitely backs himself to do that. I think you can see he's like he knows in his head he's going to do it. Whereas I'll just try and make make sure first and foremost. He's a bit taller than you, isn't he? He is a couple inches taller than me. Yeah, he's got bigger hands and longer arms. So yeah, sorry if I've touched a nerve by highlighting <laughs> <Sorry>. that. <laughs> but it does, it does it does help when you're reaching out basketball style if you've just got a mitt that can just surround the ball. You you touched upon it briefly, but in terms of your position, do you think that there's a difference in your role for Saracens and Scotland, for example, Saris, I guess when Billy's unavailable, you may slot in at eight. Scotland, do you see yourself? Have you, have you spoken about just you being a more of a six? To be honest, I think initially part of what was so appealing to me in terms of going to Scotland in the first place was was how they play and how they use their back row. All of them, if you if you watch of all, none of them seem to have a specific role that you're the eight, so you have to carry. You know, you're the six, so you've got to be in the lineup. You're the seven, so you've got to hit rucks. It's not really like that. Obviously, we I think we find we will have eight in the backfield a little bit more. Similarly with Saris, I think one thing which was a bit of a downfall for me in previous years has been when I've tried to 
play seven, I try and be, okay, I need to go for the ball and the breakdowns and get jackals this week. Okay, I'm non-break this week, so I need to get my hands on the ball loads and I'm six this week, so I need to be unbelievable in the line out. And Whereas now I've kind of got to a stage where I understand that, you know, if I'm in a team, I've got a job to do, but the best way to do that is be the best version of myself. So I like getting my hands on the ball. I like defending, so... And I, and I enjoy being a, being a line option. So if, if I can encompass all three of those things, then I'll hopefully, whatever numbers on my back, I'll hopefully perform well. Can I ask, what do you weigh right now? 102.7 kilos that was why I weighed. Very, very precise. <laughs> and if you look at the majority of international sixes or eights, most yeah. of them are 110 plus nowadays anyway in the modern game now there are still plays very much you know Rory Dyer is a great example of um, those who aren't tipping the scales at quite that much but if you're gonna give yourself an edge at competitive level do you see that as weight you may look to gain I mean potentially if my if my weight goes up my weight goes up as long as it's kind of being done the right way I don't want to <laughs> go and eat yeah, loads of crap of <laughs> yeah, put weight on for no reason yeah. And at the same time, I don't want to get too skinny and not be able to be physical. So at the moment, I'm, I'm happy with the weight I'm at because I've been able to perform at that weight. So I, I back myself to be quite explosive and quite fast, whereas obviously you get guys who are 125 kilos. Generally, they're not as <laughs> explosive fast. There are a few freaks out there. <laughs> yeah, Nomani Nadolo may disagree with you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So there's, there's a few kind of anomalies, but... I'm I'm happy with where I'm at at the moment. I don't think it's it was something that when I first joined at Saris and I was you know I was as low as 95 kilos my first year. There was definitely something that I looked at and I was like I won't be able to be at this stage dominant at that weight. And I yeah. think that is obviously too light. But as long as I can kind of dominate collisions and that sort of thing, it doesn't really matter what weight I'm at. Yeah, absolutely. It's about power output, isn't it? Rather than just the the, the timber that you're carrying. Um, exactly. Right. Before we look ahead to the Gallagher. Premiership and the sort of run-in for the season. Andy, did Ollie send you the fifteen questions? Quick fire questions. Yeah, he did. He did. Okay, wanted to know whether I was putting you on the spot or not. If it was a bit of time <laughs> no, to look. Yeah, had a had a little look over. Okay, cool. Well, it's time for your random rugby fifteen. It's fifteen quick fire questions. Say as much or as little as you like, and yeah, when you're ready, we will get going. Let's go. Nickname Nova. Why? <laughs> No, I can't go into it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's always the most intriguing sentence a human being can uh, say. Just, yeah, I, I don't, I, I can't go into it on when whilst we're being recorded. <laughs> okay, I, I will definitely be. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not anything like, it's not anything like terrible. It's just, yeah, it's definitely something terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Best rugby memory. The anthems at Murrayfield. Sweet. Most embarrassing rugby memory. Dropping the ball over the line in the Prem Cup against London Irish. Oh, I haven't seen that clip. Ben, have you seen that? We, we had we had a penalty no, advantage. No. We had a penalty advantage at the time, so it didn't seem as bad. Okay. But it was yeah, it's pretty annoying. And you've done all and right to keep it quiet though, because you. Yeah, seen... there's 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 a picture that I've got actually of me on the floor, my hands on my head. Ben Olsen next to me with his hands on his head and Elliot turning around with his hands on his head. So it kind of sums <laughs> up how bad it was. You can put that up on the wall along with you captaining Saris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that's going to make the wall. <laughs> Pre-game tune. Blood on the Leaves by Kanye West. Nice. Post-game meal. I like a burrito after a game. Okay. Is that yeah. a club-made burrito? Or like yeah, a yeah, yeah. We, we, we have burritos in kind of the food storage for, for post. 
Tortilla or Chipotle? <laughs> Chipotle. Wow. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> uh, best best player you've played against? <sighs> best player I've played against? Uh, probably Dupont. Yeah, we've had him quite a lot, believe it or not. Best, <laughs> yeah. best, best player you've played with? I refuse to answer that question. There's, I play with a lot of good players, luckily. Okay. Favourite player right now? Ardi Survey has been a favourite for a few years. Nice. Rugby Idol? Martin Oni is my, my favourite all time. I'm not seeing too much resemblance in the in the, in the style <laughs> no, of play. Not, I, I think he's super talented. Like I, I think yeah. last second row, I think he could have played pretty much any position. Yeah, I reckon he could have played front row if he chucked on a couple more kilos. Oh, definitely, yeah. Drum, do you know what I mean? Like I think he could have played anyone. Favorite stadium? Murrayfield. Favorite gym exercise? Bicep curls. <laughs> 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 Believe it or not, 18 guests, you're the first one to say bicep curls. Really? Yeah, no one's being honest then. <laughs> We've had a lot of bench press, but no one said yeah, curls. It's, it's nice. Everyone, you can get lost in bicep curls. <laughs> like we have we have arms of choice left on our programs at the end when we do upper body. And so you'll find like a lot of lads will spend a lot more time on arms of choice than anything else. And does that mean arms of choice? You could just sack off tries. And yeah, just you could, you have, I guess you have a choice not to do it. But generally, <laughs> guys will choose to spend more time doing it. Yeah, sack off the deadlift and the power clean. Yes, especially yeah. when summer's kind of around the corner as well. All of a sudden, you see loads of guys doing a lot more core and a lot more arms. <laughs> and that, that does include me. <laughs> At least you're honest. Occupation if rugby didn't exist. I think I'd be quite screwed to be honest. Um, I don't know. I might be like scrapping to be a contestant on Love Island or something. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. You would catch me dead on that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I honestly don't know. I've, this is what I've wanted to do since I was like six years old. So it's kind of always been plan A, no plan B. Doesn't matter about rugby. You could still give Love Island a crack. Juggle <laughs> both. Why not? We'll see if it goes. If it goes to shit, maybe. Superstitions. I I don't really have any anymore I, I used to I actually used to have like match day underwear but I, I got rid of all of those because if you have too many superstitions you've got too much that can kind of go wrong yeah good mindset rugby law you would change well one law and one bit of etiquette so the law yeah. I'm not sure about the the goal line dropouts for for holding up I'm I'm kind of because I think it just takes the advantage away from the attacking team I'm I, I'd get rid of respect the kicker the etiquette about being silent when someone's yeah. kicking Interesting. Okay. I, I, should, I actually, when we played in Toulon the other week, they were booing and cheering and jeering Faz. And I think he still slotted them all, except one that hit the post, which Ben and not scoring from anyone. But I, I, I think I think it was like the atmosphere of the place was unbelievable. And I think if any every crowd could replicate that, it'd be brilliant. Yeah, that's very interesting. And just to go back to the goal line dropout thing, we've also had a debate about that. Do you not think that you should reward a defending team that holds up? A player because it is because, an achievement, and it is uh, if you hold them up, then you know you're essentially saying, "All right, we've just got to defend again." If you allow for the scrum, yeah, but if you give them a, if you give them the five minute scrum, then it's still you've got to defend again. But that's what I mean: is the five minute scrum it gives the advantage to the attacking team, whereas the defending yeah, team I, deserves I, to be rewarded. But then it, it can actually mean defenses kind of become a bit more passive because you can just get someone up high and then fall back over the line with them because you know you're going to get. The, the goal line dropout and then all of a sudden you know guys can drop kick almost 60 metres nowadays so all of a sudden you go from being one metre off, off the other team's line to being caught you know 40, 50 metres off the other team's line I suppose the other thing going for it is it it encourages people to go round teams rather than just pick and drive pick and drive pick and yeah. drive because obviously yeah, if you're yeah, in that, someone that's, you're not going to get held up yeah that's true that is true but I, I don't know I, I don't I don't necessarily know that 
you know, five meter scrums the best way to go. But I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I do. I just don't think uh, goal line dropouts. Um, I think I think it just gives a bit too much to the defending team. Yeah, I think it got announced a couple of weeks ago that that law's being kept on, didn't it? Um, so I don't know. Maybe there'll be a review in a little while. I do think. There are some instances, the 22 dropout, I think, should still be a goal. Uh, sorry, the goal mm. line dropout that was a 22 should still be a 22, in my opinion. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's also, yeah, that, that's the thing. I think there's almost like an imbalance that, you know, the 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 holding up rewards the defence too much. Then there's other things that doesn't reward them yeah, enough, you know. Exactly. And yeah. there's got to be some kind of middle ground, maybe like a, I don't know, 10 metre scrum, 15 oh, metre. Wow, nice. <laughs> best thing and last question best thing about working in rugby it's got to be got to be the boys the the company you know, being yeah. able to see your mates every day and have a laugh and yeah. just do what you enjoy doing 100% cool all 15 questions wrapped up thank you for doing that Andy let's look ahead to the semis and the final of the Gallagher Premiership Sarri's secured a home semi with a 42-38 win over Northampton you're playing Gloucester this weekend now is there a feeling that there's still something to fight for, even though for you guys, Gloss is a little bit of, you could call it a dead rubber to an extent? Yeah. And I think, I think there's when, you know, when you're playing for a team like Saris, there's always something to fight for. Whether it's someone getting an opportunity where they haven't really had opportunities in the year, trying to fight for putting their best foot forward for next season, or whether it's someone else trying to fight to be, to make sure they're in that squad for the coming weeks. I think there's always going to be motivation there. So, and I, and I ultimately think, you know, we're, we're a competitive team, we're a competitive side. We're, there's, we never want to give another team an easy game. And, and just, you know, they've obviously got a lot of motivation going into it. But that can also double up and act as motivation for us that, that we want to make it tough for them. And, you know, we're not going to just roll over. We, we, want to, we want to see what we can do as a group. You can either face Gloucester, Northampton or Tigers in the final. You could prevent Gloucester from getting there. Would there be a team between Gloucester and Northampton that you'd prefer to face? In that final, don't care. Okay, good. Ben, no, I was wondering, like the psyche of, of the club. You know, I'm dropping down to the championship with everything that went on, and then this being the first season back in the top flight. The, the club's drive to win the Premiership this year must be, you know, immense. Yeah, it's massive. I think that dropping down to the championship for, for some lads in the group, I can't really speak for myself because, in some respects, it was it was a great thing for me. Yeah. But for a lot of guys in the group, is you know, it was terrible. Like it, it was really tough. And, and obviously for the club itself, it was really tough. So I think we all felt that, but I also think it's brought us closer together as a group. It obviously, there, there's away trips to places like Doncaster and buses back where you, where you start to get to know lads a lot better and, and those, those kinds of journeys. So I think that was a big focus for us when we're in the championship was making the most out of it in terms of how can we get tighter as a group. And I think you're seeing that now this season the group we've got everyone's really trying to fight for each other and really try and fight towards the same common goal which is to win the premiership um how important do you think Sarah's experience of, of winning big finals is you know there's still a lot of players at the club with champions cup winners premiership winners even world cup winners so how valuable do you think those characters will be you know in this up and coming playoffs yeah i think those same characters are valuable every single week i think those guys are we i've i've seen it more from a spectator's point of view and the, the last few seasons when we've got to these big games, kind of seeing how these guys really step up the level and how training gets that bit more intense and there's a bit more bit more to everything we do. So I think everyone expects to, to feel that again over the next few weeks. 
Is there anything of a romantic in you that says the stars are aligning, having gone down to the championship? It's almost written in the stars that you'll you'll go through and you'll you'll win it at the first time of asking and things like, you know, Owen Farrell's come back from injury and he's now bossing things again at 10. Those sorts of things, do you feel like things are just coming together? I don't think I look at it from like a romantic perspective. I think it's difficult to do that when you're when you're in it. I think it's I, I have full belief that we'll win it. I've in a sense it's almost we we know how good we can be so i think everyone everyone feels that we have the you know we feel like it's in our hands we have the ability to to do it if we get things right so the main focus is make sure we do get things right and make sure you know it doesn't it doesn't end in disappointment because like i said we we feel like we've got what it takes and we can control that you've got home fixture against quins as your semi now quins play a very unique brand of rugby in the Premiership. Does preparation change in order to cater to cater for that at all? Yeah, I think whenever you play any team, there's you know you can't be naive going into it. You have to understand what you're up against. And with Quins, you know they're going to come with surprises, things like quick lineouts, quick taps. You know everyone everyone knows that about them, and ultimately stopping it's a is a different thing. And and also something they proved a lot this season is. And actually, last season, especially at the end, was they've got a comeback in them. You know, they don't just they don't die. They don't just they don't go away. So that again is a, is a massive challenge. You can be up twenty points at half time, and the game's not done, which is also exciting because it means it it, it has to bring out a, a proper performance from from us. Yeah, of course. And it being a London derby, does that give an extra bite to an already quite edgy fixture? Yeah, I think everyone knows there's, you know, it's, it's Quinn Sarries. Everyone knows that's a big game. Everyone knows that's a, a rivalry and a derby. So definitely makes it a bit more exciting. Can you throw a score prediction out there? I know you'll back, <laughs> you'll back, you'll back Sarries. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know for score predictions. I'd, yeah, do, you, I'd do you think it'll be high scoring? Hopefully on our side. <laughs> okay, <laughs> another forty pointer. I hope so. I mean, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't say what, what I expect. You know, the score to be, but I like I said, I back, I back us. I'm guessing once again, you teams, you won't find out about squads for those sorts of things until that week. No, there's um, yeah, it'll, it'll be I suppose the Monday training week that that we'll find out what the team is. So, has your head gone down the path of you could be starting potentially? if the stars align in the right way, a final at Twickenham in a few weeks' time? No, not at all. I'm focusing on Gloucester this week if I'm involved in that. Good. Hopefully you are involved at Gloucester this week. Andy, we'll wrap up there. Been an absolute pleasure. Good luck against Gloucester this weekend. Thanks, guys. Uh, Fingers crossed for you for the semis and the final and also for the summer tour with Argentina and the World Cup next year. Cheers, cheers, and and Love Island, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I need to, yeah, definitely, definitely watch that and see if there's a space for me on there. The rugby paper is available in stores on Sundays, or you can have it delivered straight to you through our digital subscription. Next week, we are looking forward to the finale of the United Rugby Championship. Joining me to do this is none other than commentary icon and former Wales international Eddie Butler.